Welcome to the Tesseract Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Our mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources, and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate, where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. My name is James, and I'm going to be your host today. So seated with me here, um, starting at the far end, is Miss Brown. This is the Deputy Director of uh, half A4L, so this is General Hurry's uh, kind of number two. Uh, then we have the Associate Director for half A4L, Colonel Hartle, and then uh, right next to me from half A4PA, my innovation partner in crime, Mr. Mulby. Emphasis on crime. Um, if to get started, just for some context for the room, uh, if you'd like to give us sort of a one paragraph description of who you are and what you do, uh, we'll start at the end there, Miss Brown. I purposely sat down here so I wouldn't have to go first, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> good morning to all of you. Wow, it's it's really exciting and fun to be here. I was telling Colonel Hartle um, I may very well be the oldest person in the room, so it's a little bit, you know. I'm looking. I'm looking. They're super. <laughs> a little disconcerting, but it is really good to to be here. It's exciting to be here. Um, we're very excited about the Tesseract team, and I know that you guys have had quite a bit of interaction and history, and you've got General Hurry coming in to wrap things up later on this morning. And as was mentioned, she's been a huge advocate for Tesseract. This was kind of her uh, vision, if you will, uh, for innovation to really help our, our airmen. And so, as he mentioned, I um, actually officially, as of a couple weeks ago, I've been the pseudo uh, acting deputy for about a year after Mr. Beatty moved on, but uh, I've been um, officially assigned as of a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I didn't say it for that, but um, but really appreciate. And I will tell you, I, I you're going to find out firsthand if you don't know General Hurry, most of you probably do. Um, I could not we could not ask for a better boss or somebody who is more of an advocate for all of you. And um, I've, I've been a civilian for about 37 years or so, and I've served at base level, unit level, uh, match comp centers and different places. And I always thought that, you know, I was an advocate for the warfighter, you know, and I always thought I was big in the log IT space. And we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of that this morning. But um, when I came to A4L, and I, I got in the building and I realized that 200,000 plus airmen um, are impacted on a daily basis by what we do in A4L, whether that's, you know, and I know you hear words like policy and you're like, oh, whatever, but policy, um, training, giving you guys the tools that you need to do your jobs. Um, never before had I um, really realize the impact that we have on on the field and and to those airmen and, and those of you out there in the field trying to get it done. And so it's really an exciting opportunity for me to be in this role where I can, no kidding, have that impact. And we're going to talk this morning a little bit about some of the changes and things that we've been able to, to implement um, already, but we have a lot more to do. And we really need those of you that are here to go back to your units and your bases and your organizations and be those change agents for the Tesseract team and, and to encourage people to bring 
those changes forward and their good ideas forward. Because without all of you out there, we can't be all those places, but you can. And there are people, you know, you talk about six degrees of separation, but there are people that you're going to impact that none of, some of us would never have the opportunity to meet or impact. And so you guys be those messengers and, and, and um, fostering that culture of change uh, across the enterprise is critical for, for us to be successful in the innovation space. So with that, I will turn over to my partner, Colonel Hardle here, and uh, let him. Well, well, thank you, Ms. Brown. And I really, it's hard to follow that up okay. because those were all the words that I was going to say. So I have to come up with something different. But I will tell you that I'm probably the luckiest colonel in the Air Force in the position that I'm in currently because in our office, there's three offices and I'm smack dab in the middle between General Hurry and Ms. Brown. And yeah, I'll tell you, that is something for a core maintainer generating combat sorties for 27 years. Well, 27 minus four, because I've been in the building now for four years, for 23 years before coming to the Pentagon, to have the experience that you bring and then all of the leadership elements and the experience that General Curry brings really has kind of helped me really understand kind of the Air Force in such a, a bigger picture, especially at the headquarters level. And I say that because understanding the belief in this organization, Tesseract, what General Curry has done um, to really speed up innovation and the criticality and the need of it, you know, to be able to get after that that peer competitor and that future fight is critically important. And so that's really kind of, uh, you know, I'm the luckiest guy to have both of you on either side of us as that whole log IT world that you've been in for your career. I've always told Miss Brown, I said, for the preponderance of my career, I thought those log IT people just wanted to make our lives harder on the flight line but I know it wasn't an intentional act and certainly moving forward. So, um, but what's good, you know, a career maintainer, um, love exactly what we're doing. It's great to see so many faces here and a lot of the, the youth that is among us. And uh, we'll certainly get into some of those comments as we get going. Bobby. Well, hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Brian Malby. I'm from A4PA. Uh, what we do is we are the, we provide the support for the A4 CIO for the logistics portfolio, that's uh, Mr. Anthony Beatty and General Zulstorff. So the support that I provide in that regard um, encompasses a few different functions. Uh, one is the Innovation Working Group, which is actually uh, three organizations combined. That's that's us, Tesseract, and also AFMC. Um, so beyond that, I also do uh, mobile and wireless, and we, we have a flight line connectivity project we're working on right now um, that we're really excited about. Uh, I also kind of do a lot of work with Cloud One, um, lots of stories with Cloud One, um, and then um, other bits and bobs that come along. As uh, when in doubt, you have a problem, you can't solve it, throw an angry old guy at it. Uh, that'll usually do the trick. Uh, so just kind of give you a little bit about my background. Uh, so I was just under 26 years of active duty. I retired retired as a chief. Uh, if anybody here over the course of the next hour is like, how this weirdo make chief, uh, let me know because I'd love to know too. Um, so, uh, I'm really excited to be here. I'm very glad I was invited to talk to you because, you know, as having worked the innovation now for almost two years, I know the struggle is real. On one hand, you have the Air Force saying, we want you to innovate. We we want you to go forth, but you're still running across that, that wall of bureaucracy, you know, that's been doing things the way they've been doing it for about the last, you know, 20, 30 years. That's the way they know that's our comfort zone. And it's kind of our job collectively as a group to get out of that comfort zone. And, you know, I, I know 
you know, hopefully we know with our advice and help and you work going forward, we're going to eventually break through and we're going to make um, innovation the standard as opposed to the exception. So pleasure to meet you all and look forward to talking to you. Thank you. Thank you all. Uh, before we dive into the questions, I'd like to level set uh, in, in two different capacities here. The first for the audience, it's a, it's a, a, a smattering of self-selected or kind of sponsored people to be here and learn about uh, the innovation ecosystem in TOC. We are talking about the the enterprise level here, um, and this may be a, a controversial definition, but when we talk about the enter- enterprise, we are talking about a, a problem or a solution that exists that touches maybe multiple MAGCOMs or an entire airframe um, so that sort of headquarters Air Force involvement is necessary to coordinate. So for a good example of this, um, cargo digitization, um, that requi- uh, that touches every MAGCOM with AMC having a big hand in it because, you know, some of the relevant, like, instructions, uh, some of the relevant regs they own, but also there's transcom involved and stuff like this. So you need someone at a higher level to kind of coordinate changes there. Oh, just a level set. The other thing for my panelists here... Um, and oh, correct me if I'm wrong, if that's not a good <laughs> take of the enterprise. Okay. Uh, for my panelists, uh, I'm going to ask you, you know, there's a few questions here. If someone else answers, but you feel like you could add something to it, feel free to kind of chime in. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, like to kick it off, Mr. Malby, you touched on it a little bit. Innovation is, is hard. Interfacing with existing offices is difficult. Um, especially when people have been sitting in the seats for a long time. What have we done on a high level to kind of start gaining momentum for instituting real and lasting change? Um, We've we've made a lot of efforts. There's still a lot more to do. Uh, So, I mean, the Innovation Working Group in and of itself was was an effort that we started. That was actually a little little bit before I got there. It was about 2019 um, because... Uh, Mr. Oshiba at the time, what he wanted to do was take like all the different submissions from the vice chief challenge and say, okay, here's all the submissions, kind of whittle it down. What can we really get after? What can we get the biggest bang for the buck? Um, So I will say on the innovation space, where we have succeeded is we've promoted innovation and we've got, you know, innovation cells all over the place. I mean, chances are you probably can't go 10 feet without bumping into somebody from an innovation cell. You know, so that's, that's positive. Um, where we need to do a lot more work is transitioning the innovation uh, to a sustainment. And there are a lot of challenges with that because, you know, that infrastructure really isn't designed very well uh, to onboard innovations. Okay. So, you know, if, if you know about how kind of Air Force funding works, as a general rule for a year, you can pretty much do whatever you want. However, when you get to the second year, then you have to start looking at, at a sustainment home, looking to POM, um, and a lot of those organizations that are responsible for that, I mean, as far as taking on innovation, there really isn't that good onboard mechanism. And we're still trying to kind of find that golden key to unlock that. Um, so, and then I would say also, um, every good innovation, every successful one ultimately starts uh, with a good requirement. And what I can tell you is when you look at different organizations, you look at the requirements processes here and there, it's very scattershot. Um, like generally each installation will have its own requirements process. If they have one at all, that's beyond cracker barrel napkin. By the way, if that's a requirements process, that's, that's not a good sign. Um, so there's, there's ways that we might look to get after that. Uh, possibly, you know, whether, if we look at an enterprise solution, there's a few out there. 
whether you're talking Salesforce, whether you're talking like a service now, um, you can set that up and that way, you know, you can collect requirements like from installations, um, funnel them, you know, all through the Air Force. You could funnel them all the way up to headquarters. Um, but that takes work. Uh, those kinds of software solutions, it's not a case of just dump it out of the box so it works like you need it to. Um, you need somebody actively working to set up those workflows, maintain those workflows, you know, and, but if you do that, then I think it could bri- provide a lot of benefits going forward. So those are a couple of my recommendations. Okay. So I'll, I'll add a couple of things to that. Um, I think that the environment that we find ourselves in today is, is probably unprecedented when it comes to innovation and change. I know that we've all heard, you know, General Brown and the change, accelerate change or loose. And, and sometimes that may seem like it's just a, a, a neat phrase for someone to say, don't always see that put into practice. Um, we, we are a bureaucratic organization. It, it is what it is. We work for the government, we work for the Air Force. It is what it is. But what, what I think that has changed is that from General Brown, but down through the various levels, we talked about how um, Tesseract being a vision of general hurries. And, and I will tell you that um, in my time, I've been the tech director. I was the tech director in A4L for the last couple of years. Before that, um, as Colonel Hartle mentioned, as the portfolio manager for Log IT, I have seen the the wheels of change really start to gain to gain traction. And I'll give you a case in point um, related to something that the Tesseract team basically spearheaded um, with regard to fleet management and scheduling. So our F twenty two and F thirty five programs were working with Kessel Run on a fleet management type of personnel scheduling type of a capability. Uh, you've probably heard it called Torque or Athena or Kronos. It's, it's on the Torque platform. And a couple of years ago, um, the program offices were like, you know what, we can't afford this. We're not doing this anymore. Um, when, when the Tesseract team started to delve into it, they realized, you know, we got five or 6,000 users across our enterprise. Our airmen are using this. What can you do, A4L? They, they came to the leadership of A4L and said, what can you do? Well, uh, when you realized that there were, there were users that were depending upon this capability, we, we started to reach out to various organizations. That's one of the good things you asked about enterprise. That's one of the good things about having Tesseract and really an organization of change in the Pentagon because they not only have tentacles out to all of you, but they also can say, getting to the palm process that Brian mentioned, how do we advocate for some of those things? So we were able to take that, we, we engaged with the Log IT and the A4P team, we engaged with the SWEG out at, um, out at Hill, and we said, how can we take this capability Initially, we said, okay, we're going to put on, we're going to keep the lights on, right? We're just going to have, um, the capability will be there. We don't really know what the future looks like. Because I had the background in in the portfolio management space, I then engaged with our partners in A4P and then ASMC and the A4N portfolio management team. And because they recognized that fleet scheduling really is a gap, it was a gap in the capability. We had a lot of spreadsheets going on we were able to take that 
that capability, that innovation that would, would have been turned off, quite frankly, it would have been shut down. Um, and we were able to give that some traction. Today, I think that Tesseract team, correct me to 100%, but we have over 20,000 users that we have been able to scale this to. We have a sustainment plan. It's part of the log IT portfolio. It is gaining, we're building more and more capability into it. We brought our MITRE team partners, and I understand we have some industry partners if, in the crowd. We brought them in. They've got some of the smart modeling type um, engineering types of people. They're working hand in hand with the swag and bringing that capability in and, and giving a capability to our airmen that we've never had in the past. So that's one of the benefits, and, and I don't want to go too long on this, but that's one of the benefits looking at it from an enterprise perspective. You you have people that have those networks and, and can advocate when it gets to the building, when we get to go up the corporate structure and we're saying, okay, we need $3 million to sustain this. You've got the people there and, and with the help of you who can help us describe what that requirement looks like, as, as Mr. Malby talked about, um, that really helps us to gain that traction and and you can be the voice for for those airmen like I mentioned earlier. So we've we've really been able to um, take some things that the Tesseract team and some of you have discovered and really make that gain that traction and start that that snowball going down the hill. And so um, that's just one example that I wanted to share. Colonel Hartle, not sure if you had anything else you wanted to add. No, I think that's a great example, Ms. Brown. It kind of, into the requirements, Chief, is absolutely perfect and, and really what makes innovation work. But I think there's a lot of challenges to innovation and how do you overcome those? I think a lot of it is persistence and energy, right? For every good idea, there's going to be five people that think it's not a good idea. Right. There's going to be five people that say, well, we've never done it that way. And there's going to be five people that tell you there's not enough money. And then there'll be five more people who say there's enough money and still not enough money or, or enough time as we kind of go forward. But we need that persistence and, and energy, right? It, it really is a, um, in some instances, scary innovation because it comes forward, right? There was times with the Athena Kronos torque issue. A lot of people kind of questioned a little bit and, hey, are we really going to take some of that um, decision making or abilities from, you know, our scheduling processes or our flatline processes, but actually they started using it. And, oh my gosh, this is really a, a great thing. So there's got to be that persistence and the energy to really move forward. And once a door is shut, find another door that can be open for those ideas. And that's really the beauty of having the Tesseract team and the, the, the tentacles throughout the entire enterprise to really get that airman ideation forward and moving at this level. Once again, that was big with on General Hurry's, you know, um, her idea as it kind of moved forward with this as well. I use that energy and persistence is, is critical when it comes to, to innovation and, and idea and, and ideation as well. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for the answers. Uh, those were some of the warm and fuzzies with why Tesseract exists and kind of what we do. Uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, what are some, uh, and Colonel Har, you briefly touched on it with, you know, the, the skeptics in every corner. What are some other maybe more concrete or real challenges that you face when trying to scale things to the enterprise? Do you have any examples that would be good or you can talk conceptually? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of go way back in the time machine on, on some of the challenges that we've had. But once again, you know, for some reason, funding is the one thing that obviously the, the Pentagon, 
revolves around, right? It's all about the funding. And if you don't have money to your program or your idea, it's going to be nothing more than that is kind of a funder idea. But but the, the skeptics are such. I mean, if if you've never watched the little read the book or watched a little YouTube video on on who moved my cheese, you know, about the mice that you know, there's someone moved their cheese, they didn't know what to do and they had to work through that. But anyway, that's a that's a great leadership tool if you're having some problems. But um, you know, write that down who moved my cheese if you never had that opportunity. Uh, where was I going? I got on that whole t- Oh yeah, that's right. Um so if you kind of go back to I want to go back to you know when I was a young lieutenant or captain. We want to do something as simple as on the flight line, have a mobile tool kit, right? That we were able to put in a truck and get tools to the maintainers on the flight lines. You think, well, gosh, that's a great idea. But you wouldn't imagine the obstacles and the challenges and the you can't do that. That's going to cause lost tools. We're going to have accountability issues. Folks are going to leave their shift without being able to you know, complete the maintenance or we just, we'll just, no, we'll have this big issue. Um, But it took time and it took persistence and it took a lot of energy, but luckily had two young airmen and a senior master sergeant that that ran that idea. And we actually, you know, outfitted a a truck and moved forward. But I say that that was like a a six, nine, gosh, maybe it was a year long, just working through so many of the, um, the bureaucracy, the AFIs, you know, the, the, some of the tech data that we used as well to actually do that type of, of maintenance. So it's that energy and persistence, once again, at that lower level. But once again, if we look at the enterprise and you guys in the test rack team probably have the largest challenge with so many ideas that are coming in and so many great ideas coming in. A lot of times there's not time and energy and money for all of them. We've got to be selective in what we do and try and find those that make, get the most return on investment, have the requirement that is associated with it as we move forward. And I think it was at the Logar Summit or maybe the Maintenance Summit last year, um, talked a lot about, hey, those ideas that help us kill more bad guys is the ideas we really want to come forward, right? Because that's the the fight that we're in. Kind of talking about, you know, accelerate, change, or lose. You didn't know originally it was accelerate, change, or die. But we all kind of thought maybe that's a little bit too uh, too gruesome. But, you know, that really kind of comes to the to the truth. And as we continue to look at that peer competitor and and that that future fight, that is the challenge that is in front of us. And that's where we really got to focus on. If you got that idea that's going to help us kill more bad guys, then then we're all in and we want that idea coming to the front. So, you know. Thank you. Yeah, and the, the one thing that I would add to that, and when you gave your answer earlier, one thing that I thought about was, so what you will run into is, um, to the moving my cheese, that's my swim lane, Right. I have the authority to do that. Who do you think you are, log community, that you're going to scale something, if you will? Um, you Are you an acquisition professional? Are you? And so I say that kind of in jest, but I will say that understanding what the authorities are, being collaborative and being transparent. Um, at the end of the day, somebody mentioned that there's a lot of innovation cells across our our enterprise. At the end of the day, um, I really, in my heart of hearts, I wouldn't be here if I if I didn't believe this. I believe that people come to work wanting to do good, right? And those people that are trying to get after 
the change, whether it's for a specific weapon system. Yes, at the Pentagon and, and the Tesseract team and others, we're looking at an enterprise perspective. But there are, no kidding, good people in those program offices that are really trying to do the right thing. There's good people across the space in the innovation cells. And so having a transparent approach is is critical to being successful. Because if you go off in your little corner and you build something, you don't necessarily know. There could be something that's been worked on for five or 10 years and that far outshines what, what the capability. And at the end of the day, all you really want to do is give the best tools the best um, capabilities to those airmen, right? So being having that collaboration and saying, hey, no harm, no foul. If you guys are working on that, let's have a meeting. Let's get together. Let's visit each other. Let's see what you're doing over here. Let's see what tool set you have. Maybe it exceeds what, what the direction you were going. Maybe you partner together because there's power in numbers, right? And if if two organizations or two match comes come together and they say, hey, we've got this great idea to get after a gap in, I don't know, pick, pick your poison, right? Uh, then th- you bring that to the enterprise and you're, you're going to have more, more of that. I think traction must be my word of the day because I keep going back to that. But, um, but I think that being transparent is, is one of the things that I will tell you can never go wrong. And I know sometimes people say, well, you know, I was transparent and then it backfired on me. And, and you're going to always have those situations, right? But but collaborating with your with your fellow Madgecoms and your 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 teammates out there, you guys all know if you went to SOS or if you went to basic training or, or whatever path you took, you have people that you've had in your network since day one, right? I can point back to you. Um, I'm getting ready for we're doing an induction thing on on Friday. And so this week I've been flooded with memories and I've and I've been thinking way back when I was a secretary on a flight line. Right. I have people that encouraged me and, and my network goes way back. And so does yours. You've all had a journey and a path and and bring those people, call, bring those people in, call those people, network with them and say, hey, we've got this great idea. Be transparent, be open and 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 foster, as I said earlier, that that culture of change. Thank you. Certainly. The the point on collaboration and especially when we're talking about uh, like innovation and so, innovation cells and such, it's great to kind of reach out to your network and, and use the connections that you have. Um, but at some point when you have a good idea, you do need to think towards kind of like the bigger picture, what we call scaling, right? And then you have to interface with uh, a sort of alphabet soup that we on the enterprise can't really like avoid bringing up whenever we give any examples. Um, why is it that when we we uh, try to interface with those offices, why are those offices not better suited to handle innovation and new workflows and new ideas? Mm-hmm. Start okay. Um, honestly, kind of. I think I said in my opening comments too, but uh, you're generally dealing with people that have been doing a process for twenty to thirty years. Um, they have their comfort zone; it's what they like, and what you're bringing to them in their mind um, adds risk. Okay, yeah. You know, unfortunately, you know, for much of my career, you know, the the mentality was risk equals bad. Okay. Uh, we've never been all that good at, you know, 
making, you know, calculated risk decisions, you know, because you cannot eliminate all risk. I mean, yeah, you, you should not, you should try to mitigate it when possible. Um, you know, don't take on stupid risk, especially if it's going to endanger personnel, you know, or, or have, what have you, but, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that to me is the biggest thing that I've seen is, and you know, we were talking earlier about resistance. Um, I have resistance, honestly, even within my own division. I mean, I'm not going to mention names, uh, but I, I had one, I had one individual in a, in a public teams chat, refer to my innovation program as a slush fund. Okay. So again, you guys, you guys are all pioneers in this innovation space and, and, and what you're doing is extremely important because there is still a lot of things to break down. So that's what I'm saying. If I'm encountering that within my own division, you know, I can only imagine, you know, what you're encountering out in the field, you know, just like, you know, Ms. Brown said, just like Pearl said, saying, oh, we've never done it this way before. And, you know, you're just, you're just going to waste money. Cause I hear that one all the time too. I'm just throwing money down a hole. Um, so, you know, th those are the biggest challenges and, and kind of, you know, when, when they were talking earlier about, about having the energy and salesmanship, you do have to do that because that is not something that comes naturally to us. Okay. I don't think anybody in, in this audience thinks they're a salesperson. Okay. But if you're in this space, I got news for you. Y'all are, okay. You, you have to be able to just to, to sell the change, because one thing I've noticed over the course of about thirty years is airmen, and I, and not the rank I'm talking about, Air Force airmen, are the masters of passive resistance. Okay, you know, you know, they're not necessarily going to say anything out loud because they don't want to get in trouble with their boss or whatever. But okay, new thing. Yeah, I'm just kind of kind of passively just. They'll stall, let it go until some people PCS and it dies and we win. Yay. So those are all the kinds of things that you're going to encounter uh, when, when you're trying to, you know, build up an innovation. Back on, make sure my mic was back on. So perfect. So that that innovation resistance, about the scaling resistance, I think is a little bit hard as we look at um, the kind of the risk that's associated with it. But but knowing that when an idea comes forward and we've gone through, you know, all of the right processes and we're getting really close to scaling, that salesmanship still has to continue. That resistance still may be there in certain pockets. And you just kind of go back to, well, why is that? A lot of it kind of goes back to human nature. You know, watch who moved my cheese. But more importantly, y'all are going to remember that, that Harlow guy kept saying, who moved my cheese? <laughs> Uh, I used that in a commander's call once when I was much younger commander and have as much gray hair. Um, once again, tried to get some change, change uh, advocacies um, uh, through that organization. But as we kind of look through some of that resistance, we've got to know and understand that as we look to scale and innovation, there's going to be on the front end a little bit of workload that is going to transition or someone is going to be asked with a certain authority to do something different. And once again, that is that is hard. It's kind of like innovation and change are somewhat synonymous in a lot of ways. But kind of once we're going there, we got to know and understand we're not bringing an innovation forward to go slower and spend more money, right? It's usually the other way around. But there's usually some of that front end sunk cost comes down to that return on investment associated to a requirement as we certainly move that forward. Of course, the greater the return on investment, right? The, the more success and chance that we have 
um, to actually scale that that innovation. But we've all heard of that, you know, that valley of death, right? We've got this great idea, it gets right to that valley, and then we've got to pull that idea through. And that's usually because there's resistance, there's a lack of potential funding, and there's uh, you know other things that it's competing with. Um, we see that a lot. Uh, I think kind of one of the best examples, even a good idea, or as we scale an innovation, we have made changes. Sometimes even habits get in. You know, uh, a great example, Lieutenant General Rito, when he was the A4 back many years ago, the example that he used a lot of times when he was trying to reinvent how we manned our maintenance shifts on the flight line was what if I told you that rather than putting your pants on first for us guys, right, wearing pants, we're <laughs> females wearing pants, right, put your pants on. Don't put your pants on first. Put your shirt on first in the morning and then your pants and you're going to save two minutes every morning getting ready, right? Oh, man, that's great. I'm going to put my shirt on first and then my pants. And um, But guess what? Next morning I get up and I, I put my pants on. Oh, shoot. If I put my shirt on, I'm going to save two minutes. It was the exact same thing that he was trying to get through is the habitual uh, way in which we do so many things. Hey, we may have this new idea. We may have this new process, but sometimes we revert back Right. to the to the habit right. because we've always done it that way because it hasn't taken effect so it's a lot of a uh, you know self check you know keeping everyone you know at at speed and, and understanding what we need to do so there's a lot of challenges there certainly as we look at that scaling piece of it but if there if the ROI is there and the requirements there and uh you know there's buy in and it's certainly at the highest level is certainly important as well but I also think um, to add on to that, um, Mr. Alvey, Brian, Chief, I'm not sure what to call you. <laughs> um, you mentioned the Innovation uh, Working Group, and that's why these forums are so, they're so good because I talked about networking a bit earlier. But once you get that idea and you know that there's an ROI, you know that there's really serious potential with that capability, Plugging yourself into some of these existing, and I know we often, when we hear governance, we all kind of start to twitch a little bit. Um, but those that plugging yourself into those um, existing frameworks and structures and saying, hey, I have an idea. I want to propose this to the innovation working group and getting plugged into that. Um, I will tell you, I like I mentioned, 37 years I realized early on it's it's about relationships. And if you if you don't, none of us get to do it doesn't matter how high ranking you become, you could be the 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 you could be General Alzen, right? You at the end of the day cannot do anything by yourself. And and having those networks and understanding, hey, I that guy on that panel talked about an innovation working group. Maybe I need to make a phone call or send an email plug into some of that and you'll be amazed the what traction you get um, with with plugging into those those existing frameworks and networks um, that we didn't always have those working groups we didn't always have the ether sprints we didn't always have loa um, loa has become a a huge advocate for innovation main stage right where where the people that have these great ideas can can pitch can pitch their capabilities. So uh, a lot of good. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are risk averse people. But I think you've got leadership and an air force that is is ready to accept um, and and welcomes those ideas. I'm going to jump on a little bit as I'm sitting here thinking, and your answer as well, Miss Brown, which was perfect, was also remember the hierarchical structure of our organization 
at times makes airman ideation very, very difficult. I know we've you guys have talked that and you pretty much mastered that so many times. But, you know, as we look at trying to scale that as well, it becomes very difficult. I can't tell you how many times I've heard great ideas come in into me personally. And I'm like, man, I great idea, but I, I don't know what to do with that. Right. And that that's a that's a failure on on me. Right. Um, but a lot of times you just got to keep keep moving, making sure that we're empowering and, and we're incentivizing and we're rewarding and we're getting folks to continue. Just don't give up. Right. Just because I said, I don't know. I don't know about that. Can continue, continue to move and, and continue to move forward. Um, I would just, unless, unless I said, hell no, then I'd probably stop doing it that way. But uh, no, other than that, I think that's the big part of it because that gets that scaling piece. And <clears throat> ultimately, kind of change the subjects here on you. And I apologize. That airman ideation piece, right? I can't, you know, empower those airmen to bring those ideas forward, no matter how crazy they sound, is, is kind of critical and, and an important piece of exactly what we're doing. Because that's what we need. We need some of those those wild and crazy ideas, right? That that can really, you know, make a, a long lasting uh, change to how we're going to, you know, execute our mission. So kind of listen and, and ensure that we're working through a lot of those processes and, and do what we can with some of those ideas. I think there's what I was going to say is a closing comment, but it hit me and I had to get it out. So <laughs> apologies for going off, off track. No, it was a perfect transition. Might have lost some traction. Yeah. <laughs> Spinning tires up here on stage. It's fine. It's fine. Um, no, that's a perfect uh, transition into what I kind of wanted to talk about next. And, and you did touch on a little bit, but so most of the, the people in this room have experienced uh, when they think of scaling, they think of aligning with the right, like an enterprise backed solution kind of thing, like bringing it kind of up the chain and a higher level guidance. Um, I, I'd like to, and Colonel, are you touched on this a little bit, but when you're, when the enterprise backing does happen and then you have to bring it back down and start implementing it in the field and you expect uh, you run into some resistance there with, say, local leadership. Uh, what are some kind of tools in, in the toolkit, maybe some like soft touches or methods that you would go about garnering field level support, support from resistant local leaders? So I was one of those resistant local leaders, you know, many times. Right. I hate to say it. You know, I'm, I'm a self-admitted uh, resistance to change and and, and uh, things, but that's here for you, sir. Th thank you, thank you. That's the first step. That's the first, first step. Admitting you have a problem. There, okay, I've got a problem. I've got a problem. Um, um, <laughs> but as I kind of work through that, you know, but it's because we were always too busy, right? We we've got to you know execute this mission. We've got to generate these sorties. You know, I, I need those airplanes through the inspection process faster, right? Or I, I just, you know, just, we got to make this happen. Hey, we can, you know, reduce inspection times by 20% if we, you know, looked at our process and move forward. That's great. What's it going to take? Well, we're going to come in and look at your process and do some data analytics. But fine. That, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't have time for that. I need to generate airplanes. Um, so that that's kind of tough, right? Because many times we're focused on what our boss's requirements are, right? And then, of course, that kind of goes up the chain. Many times it goes down the chain. But at times, I think a lot of that self-reflection, you know, uh, leaders have always said, hey, you know, take the, you know, get the the chief's reading list and and read. Take time to to reflect. I was always that guy. I ain't got time to read. I ain't got time to reflect. So, you know, what, what give me another leadership principle, right? Um, but it took me a while, a little bit more gray hairs. And I've kind of done that a little bit. And I think that kind of opens up the aperture. And allows you to be more acceptive um, 
you know, accepting, should I say, I just made a word up, acceptive. Okay. I'm from Georgia, so I can do that. Um, <laughs> you know, more accepting to to ideas and the ability to listen. You know, the the two ears, one mouth, you know, uh, is, is very important to understand. Uh, you know, listen twice as much as you talk. I think that just needs to go up and down the chain. But many times we just get focused on, on the task at hand. You know, that's for everybody. Everyone has enough work to do uh, or more work than they have time and capacity. If you don't, let us let me and Miss Brown and the chief know we got something for you to do. Um, but, you know, I think that really kind of comes into it is really kind of taking a break, taking a deep breath, looking at those opportunities to improve. If it's through ideas, someone comes forward, you know, give it a, a, a fair shake and an understanding and, and really work that forward. I think is, is kind of critical, but it's, it's, it's happening today. I mean, every one of you are busy. If we walked in with a great idea, if I told you to put your shirt on before your pants, you might look at me like I'm crazy, you know, and tell me that's a really bad idea. Well, well why, don't, why don't you try it and see if you're going to save a couple of minutes getting ready every morning. Um, so that's kind of, it's just that whole process. It, it's human nature. That is the most difficult part, you know, when we grit into that in that local leadership, you know, and the persistence and energy piece of it too. Don't let the first no, you know, kill, kill the idea. Get a few more no's and, and then start all over again and work through that process if you really believe in your idea. And if you don't have it, that's what Tesseract's for. Call them up. There you go. We'll help you out. Beautiful. Anything to add? Yeah. I mean, it goes a little bit uh, to the salesman stuff that I was, I was talking about a little bit earlier and, you know, why we were not inherently good salesmen. Uh, when you look at, like, say, a carrot and stick approach, we've never been terribly good with a carrot, but we're really, really good with a stick. And most people just kind of, you know, when they were imposing a technical solution from top down, just kind of took the attitude of, I don't need to sell it. It's like, hey, roll for rank, boom, done. Okay. But then the problem with doing that is you go back to the passive resistance part that I was talking about earlier. So, I mean, yeah, it was a combination of communication, trying to expand the innovation ecosystem. I can tell you one thing that we've done in the IWG is we've really partnered up with the Rapid Sustainment Office. Um, because we kind of looked at, like, for instance, our flight line connectivity package, we said, okay, you know, like we got this portion, RSO has this portion, we want that one and they want this one. So why don't we kind of work together as a team? And that, that's really helped that, that project move along a lot. But I mean, you know, we try to communicate, we try to promote ourselves, put ourselves out there as much as we possibly can. Um, but then also too, uh, when, when you do an innovation, you got people out in the field who are your champions, you know, you know, work with them, promote them as much as possible. Um, look for rewards that you can do. Obviously if they're military, there's limitations on the rewards you can do, but you know, you can still use every tool in your toolbox, whether it's, whether it's a pass, whether it's, you know, an awards or, or something, but yeah, I mean, but bottom line, focus more on carrots and a little less on sticks, and you might have a little bit more success. So. Yeah, the, what I would like to add to that, going back to the last part of your question, when you said when it gets back to the field level and your local leadership doesn't want to embrace it. So you could give the standard answer of, well, hey, let's put it in policy. Let's let's codify it. We'll 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 drive that more of a stick. Right. To, to your point, Chief. So. Um, the one thing that I was thinking about is, as he was talking, nine times out of 10, if you're involved with something that's going to drive some major, major change, it could be a process change, it could be a tool, a material solution type of a change. Um, having been in this space for a long time, um, 
we always bring together subject matter experts, right? So anytime that we're going to implement and we're going to want you guys to do something different, we bring together subject matter experts. Where we have kind of not done as well as we could have is your leadership sends you because they have faith in you. They see you as that thought leader. They see you as that change agent. Sometimes because, back to Colonel Hartle's point, we get back to work. We've been gone for a week because we've been off doing this innovation thing. We've got 300 emails waiting on us. We've got all these people that are, are knocking on our door because we weren't there to answer their questions. And we just kind of, it gets put on the back burner. But keeping your local leadership and keeping them informed and saying, hey, sir, ma'am, I was at this innovation thing that you sent me to. Here's what they're talking about. Here's why they're proposing. This is the business case of why they want to do it this way. I, I think that will go a long way to help with that local leadership, um, being that change agent for your organization. Because if you know about it, you've obviously gone to a meeting where you were one of those SMEs, and it is really incumbent upon you to go back to your local base and unit and say, hey, man, this is so exciting. This is what they're talking about doing. This is what they want to implement. This is what a timeline that they're looking at. And and you can help at, at, at some of the lower levels to to really advocate for those process changes and, and for that innovation um, that you're supporting. That's awesome. That's kind of, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, I was I was jumping in. So you know, a thought hit me, so I really want to yeah. share it real yeah. quick. But um, so I kind of a, a probably a uh, a real life example that we're dealing with, I think, as we look at three of constraints. I see Cap Parker way in the back, if that's unless there we go. Perfect. Right. <laughs> so, you know, prior to Cap Parker coming on board, we had Captain Rizzo and I'm a firm believer you know, in, in theory of constraints, we have seen the goodness that it brings. And I had many discussions with, with Sophie and I see Chief Jordan there as well, you know, and I was like, hey, let's just freaking wrap this, throw it in policy. And that way they have to do it. It's it's so good for the enterprise that they will, they if we put it in the AFI, then they have to do it, right? Perfect win. It's a, it's a win. But then Cab Rizzo and Chief Jordan says, well, sir, yeah. But all those other things that we've written into policy, sometimes you get immediate antibodies when you try and sell and sell our great idea. So although we're probably not um, scaling TOC as fast as we like, right, if we put it in, in, in policy and said thou shalt do TOC um, for TOC events every year and blah, 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 we'll get some of that, but we'll get some antibodies, we'll get some resistance. Um, but if we kind of go slowly, and we allow the enterprise to experience, there's going to be buy-in, and then we kind of get that sale, that that scaling and sustainment that we absolutely need a much slower process. You know, I still think, hey, just put it in AFI, and we'll, we'll make them do it because it's so good for them. But then again, that builds up a lot of antibodies. But I think that's a, a true example of kind of some of the local leadership resistance that we get sometimes, yeah. or, or many times we get folks that uh, are, are firm believers and, and are really moving it forward, like I said, We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there with 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 TOC inculcating the the enterprise with that that process improvement strategy. But that's a great example of, of what we deal with. And that idea of mine, force them to do it. It'll be great. So, thank you for that, sir. I was going to try to like uh, conceptually describe 
that, but that's a great example <laughs> of organic growth, you know, scaling across the enterprise uh, the, the right way with buy-in on every level. And, and something that we've been harping on too is the LNO network. And that's a part of the reason that it exists is so that we have kind of uh, direct messaging with people in the field, but then also that you have messaging with each other and we have this common forum uh, that we have. So yet another plug to join the LNO network as if you needed another one. Okay. Um, I'd like to wrap up with one final question. Uh, we've been talking about organizational things and, and you know, the seats that you're in and how you've perceived innovation and dealt with it over the years. Um, but I'd like to kind of close on a more personal note. Why is innovation important to you as a person? Uh, for me, now, okay, so I'm not a, a logistics guy. I'm actually in a career broader. I'm an A6 person, so, you know, boo. Um, but... <laughs> I will tell you why it matters to me because, yeah, I, I was that error. Um, you know, here I am in the Pentagon. I managed to avoid the five-sided building for my entire active duty career. Didn't step foot in it until becoming a civilian. Um, but I knew that if I went into that building one day, I, I wanted to be a force for good. Um, and I never wanted to forget, you know, who I was, you know, at you know, pick a base, uh, you know, Kirtland, Travis, and uh, gone forever. Um, so that's what I want. That's what I want my legacy to be. It's like, you know, I tried to make things better for airmen on the flight line, automate processes that they were doing manually that were a waste of time. And I know a lot of them are still being done with pencil and paper, and I'm working really hard to try to get rid of those. Um, but but that but that's what really drives me is, is again, it's not it's not a theoretical thing to me, you know. I, you know, I've been out there, at, you know, three in the morning in the dark and I know, and I know what it's like. So, you know, I told myself when I get in this position where I can actually try to make a difference and help people, that's what I want to do. So that's really what it means to me. Yeah. yeah so, so innovation, I've kind of talked about, you probably got a little bit of a theme that in my younger years, right, I was barely able to keep my head above water to meet my boss's requirements and, and generate sorties on the flight line. So I, I wasn't the guy that had time to, to change a lot, right? Ain't got time for that. I got more important things to do. Go away. So uh, what's refreshing is that today's leaders and leaders from the airman level, you know, I'll say up to squadron command, even group command, there's a real difference in kind of accepting to change and that innovation. And, and why is innovation important to me? And I kind of alluded a little bit also to this future fight. I don't think it's a matter of, of, of if the future fight, it's really a matter of when, you know, and then when, and then when will we win this future fight? And so much of that is going to come down to innovation because we're not, our budget is not going to grow in the Air Force, at least not over the next five years. Our in-strength and manpower is not going to grow either. If we were to get into a fight, we know that there are attrition levels that we have never programmed for. If you look at the number of airplanes we have in our inventory, it's not the number of airplanes and people that we need. It's the number of people and airplanes that we can't afford, right? So that should probably give you a little bit of a chill down your spine. Like, ooh, we're already behind the power curve if we were getting into a fight uh, or when we get into a fight with this peer competitor. Don't say that to scare anybody. But it's the innovation that is going to make our processes better. It's going to generate and increase combat capability. And it's probably going to help airmen survive. And I think those are critical aspects. And this is kind of where it belongs. Because, you know, once again, not more money coming, 
not more manpower coming, not more airplanes coming. It's going to come down to how do we really work through and do things better, faster, so we can win and survive in that future fight. And that's why it's important to me. Wow, that is an that's an excellent yes. Follow that, follow that up, Miss Brown. Follow that up. <laughs> wow, that yes, yeah. Mic drop. Yes, that's um both great answers. And um I, I have a little bit of both in 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 my answer. Um going back to what Mr. Malby said, um, though I was never active duty, I mentioned that I've worked for the Air Force and the DOD for about thirty-seven years. That and I was I was married to the military. I was that mom on at the airport and on the flight line saying goodbye to the the spouse and peeling the child off the leg. And so it's very personal for me to want to make life better for our airmen. No no doubt about it. Um, I I think that we should all um, be trying to find innovative ways to make the lives of our airmen easier and better. If if what we're sponsoring and what we're trying to do does not help them, then we really probably ought to reassess what we're focusing on and, and what we're advocating for. Um, and that goes for all of us from the lowest levels to the very highest levels. Um, and you've we've all worked in organizations where there were agendas. And, and sometimes you're like, well, does that agenda really line up with what Colonel Hartle so um, so adequately and elaborately, and I don't know what the words are, uh, de- defined as, you know, and described in that future fight. Because at the end of the day, we are in an environment where the budgets are constrained and, and where we need more people. My goodness, do we need more people. I've never been in an organization that didn't say, hey, I need resources. If you want me to do this, I've got to have the resources. And, and to his point, we're not going to get a lot more money. We know our weapon systems cost more money than they used to. Our budgets are not growing commensurate with that additional and that that increased cost. So we we have to figure out those innovative ways to get after some of our processes, change our processes, become more efficient, more effective. And so I, I think that um, I can't say it any better than that these two gentlemen have have said it. Um, getting after the innovation that helps make those airmen and their lives better and and easier and get after that future fight is is why we're all here. And with that needs to be our focus every single day when we when we we get when we put that shirt on before before our pants um, in the morning. So we need to. We need to be thinking about that. I was in a class not too long ago, um, and I don't know if any of you guys know uh, retired generals. They call them Speedy, but General Martin, he he ta- told us a quick story about how in the mornings when he was active duty, he would look himself in the mirror and he would say, am I worthy? And all of you, no matter what level of leadership you find yourself at today, you're all headed in a trajectory to go even higher. And at the end of the day, can we look ourselves in the mirror and say, am I doing everything that I can to be worthy to take care of those airmen because they're counting on us. They're counting on us if they're deployed and they're in those war type of scenarios and situations. Are we giving them the tools? Are we doing everything that we can do to make sure that they are prepared and that they have what they need. So um, that's probably why um, I would say it's it's very personal and important to me. So 
Awesome answers. Thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Brown, Colonel Hartle, Mr. Malby, thank you so much for supporting our team and joining me on stage today. Round of applause. Okay, that's fine. Thank you so much for listening to the Tesseract Podcast. This show is how I started to learn about enterprise-level strategy and the innovation ecosystem within the Air Force, and I hope we passed along some learning to you with this episode. If you'd like to engage with our team, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseract.af.mil.